Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. Back after an interesting week of Villanova hoops, but we have a very special guest with us today. Joining the podcast once again is Villanova legend Alan Ray. Alan, thanks for jumping on with us. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm doing good. What's up, Nova Nation? <laughs> um Alan, so before we jump into the week that was, I do want to talk about jersey retirements. Um, so we just saw Josh get his jersey retired um, on, on Wednesday night, which was clearly the highlight of, of Wednesday night. Um, but, but beyond that, you've also have been uh, fortunate enough to have that honor. Just talk about that. Can you talk about that a little bit and like kind of what that, what like that call was like to get that and then, and then kind of go through it? Yeah, um, actually, it's a it's a great honor to to have your jersey retired. It's like somebody actually really recognizes the work that you put in and um, the things that you did. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, we wanted to do it for a long time, but obviously I was playing overseas, so I never was really home during the season where I could come actually come to a game and uh, get my jersey retired. So it kind of just held off until after um, I stopped playing. But uh, I was definitely honored by it. Um, it's, it's just a great feeling to know that your name is up in the rafters. And, you know, I put in a lot of work from when I was little, um, just just for moments like that, you know, it's, it's a great honor. And I'm really appreciative of it. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And it was cool what they, what they, what they seem to do for everybody who gets their jersey retired now. It seems like it's a whole event. Um, I saw that Josh did jumped on Jay's podcast. I saw that there was just a lot that, you know, kind of, there's a lot of fanfare that happens behind the scenes in addition to what you see kind of play out in the center of the court and the speech. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a great event, you know, like you said, doing the podcast and just, it was good to be back. You know, it just felt like I was, I felt like I was a player again, you know, doing, doing all the activities and stuff. It was great to see everybody as well. Right. You know, the players nowadays in the new pavilion, they don't have to run down the center of the bleachers. I was always worried that someone was going to get like someone's going to trip and hurt themselves going down the going down the student section before the game. So, you know what? I meant to ask that question. I've I've been meaning to ask if they still do that. No, they don't, because the student section is there's like it's only half of that one side. Now, it used to be like the full wall of students, kind of that whole bleacher section but they moved like half of the students to the other side of the yeah. arena. So now, so now the players can't go down because there's no like aisle that runs all the way down uh, that side of the arena. So they don't do it anymore. Yeah. I remember that. You got to run down, you got to look down, you got to have your hand out to give fives. You got to try not to fall. Yeah. It was, it was pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of trying not to fall, um, we did attempt to not fall uh, this week, uh, but we did get it done today versus Georgetown. Uh, we're recording this on, on January 22nd, just at 3.25. So it's just a couple hours after the Georgetown game ended. But the game we want to talk about more is the game versus Marquette on Wednesday night, which did not go Villanova's way. Um, so I think we talk about that game first. Um, and Rob, do you want to just kind of give a – lay out the scene a little bit for this game, kind of what your yeah. thoughts are. And then, and then we can kind of talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this one for me is, I don't know, it, it's symptomatic of a lot of things that we had been talking about on the podcast for a little bit of a while. It's funny. We did, I think we did a debate. I want to say it was the podcast before on is Villanova a good three point shooting team this year or not. And we got an initial reaction from this game, we reshot six for 24, 25%, which I think falls pretty strictly in the not camp, at least for that <laughs> game. So that one didn't get it done. Look, I mean, this game to me, you look at the box score, you only got three guys in double digits. You've got Eric Dixon, obviously is having an 
awesome run of form right now. He had 15 points, and then you had Justin continuing some strong play at 13 and Colin with 10 there, but that was it. So at the end of the day, when you're relying on those three guys and ultimately the offense was kind of stagnating, especially towards the end of the game, ultimately like that was, that was it really. And frankly, I, I didn't see us hitting this much of a speed bump against Marquette. I thought we would be able to pull off a win there. And especially when we talked about pace of Marquette as well too. figured they'd speed things up a little bit, but uh, ultimately that didn't happen. So to me, look, it definitely raised a lot of red flags. I think it brought back some other issues that we had talked about as well as it relates to the short bench. Coach going back to the short bench and tightening things up. B.A. getting his sum total of four minutes, and Jordan made a flash appearance in the first half, and that was it. So, again, the narrative kind of switched as we got back into the Georgetown game, but that to me was, was the two things that stood out to me. Three-pointers not falling, offense stagnating in that short bench. So I'm just kind of like, as a fan, I was a little tense watching it. So, Alan, Alan, it's interesting because I, I want to break down kind of what, what went wrong in this game. And you came out on Twitter both after the game and the, the, the following morning, and we're really harping on the defense. Um, saying basically sometimes shots don't go down, so let's not worry about that. The problem is our three-point shooting defense want to talk yeah yeah let's talk about that a little bit yeah so that's how I felt for that game you know um Jim Jim Jackson made a good point today um well I don't know if y'all heard it second half how he was saying like if if you don't score points you're not shooting well from the field like how do you manufacture offense like you have to find a way to like manufacture offense and he was talking about doing that from your defense and if you see today in the game, in the first half, Georgetown was doing that. We was turning the ball over in the first half a lot, and Georgetown was scoring points off of, off of our turnovers. And that was keeping them in the game. Georgetown also went to the free throw line a lot in the first half. I think they shot like eight or nine free throws, and that allowed them to stay in the game as well. So with the Marquette game, like let's go back a game before against Xavier. It was kind of a similar situation. You know, wasn't scoring a lot. We shot terrible from three-point range. We shot terrible from the field. But we managed to lock down and get stops when we needed them, and we walked away with that win. And if you remember, Justin, at the end of the game, got to the free throw line, made some key free throws because we wasn't scoring from the field. And that's how we put our points on the board. We got it um, through playing hard defense, not letting them score and getting to the free throw line. The Marquette game, I don't think, we didn't get to the free throw line nearly enough. We didn't get to the free throw line at all. And I just felt like there was just too many easy baskets against Marquette. I mean, they they had a backdoor cut for a dunk, couple of transition threes from Elliott that got them going. And then uh, I'm fine with uh, Lewis, that's his name, right? I'm fine with Lewis hitting threes. He only shot 29% on a year from three, so. You can't do anything about that. But I just feel like the score really doesn't indicate how our defense was. You know, they Marquette scored 70 points a game, but they only scored 50 that game. But we just gave up too many easy shots at the wrong time in order to win that game. That, that's just how I feel. They, they did, they did shoot 40 to your point. They did shoot 45% from three. Yeah. So like exactly. they were getting open looks, they were absolutely hitting them. So yeah, even if it didn't tally up, they were very yeah. efficient from the field. It, exactly. And from the field, they didn't shoot that, that great from two. It was from three, yeah. three, they was like 40 something percent from three. At some point you got to be like, okay, let's run them off the three point line, you know? And I feel like they didn't do that. And you see in the Georgetown game today, like in the beginning, we were giving up way too many easy looks for them, and they was knocking it down. And once teams get confidence like that, it's hard It's hard to stop them. Like you playing against Villanova, every team comes in, like they want to beat you. They want to get a name off you, you know? Yeah. I think the crucial stretch in the Marquette game was after a slow start, we did expect them to come out and punch us right in the mouth. And they actually did try and speed the game up in the begin in the early go. And then they actually got comfortable playing our tempo. So it was Rob, to your point about tempo, like it wasn't a tempo game at all. Like we played our tempo. We, we were able to, we were able to slow the game down. They, they, but they came out quick. And I thought that we rushed shots early in the game, 
But then after we settled down the last five minutes of the first half and the first 10 minutes of the second half, that was us. Like that was Villanova basketball, like, like right to the T. And we did all the things that Alan was saying. We finally started to close out on their shooters. Um, so we didn't let them get comfortable and early going at the second half. Um, and then we created some offense off of defense, um, got downhill. We got into the lane, got a piece of the paint. I, I felt like we needed to continue to get into that paint and stop throwing it around the, the, the perimeter, looking for a, looking for an open, open look. But then the key point came, we were up nine and there was 10 and a half left. Shaka calls a timeout, come out of the timeout. They hit a three bang, six point game. I figured if it was a turnover or just a, or just a bad offensive possession, they come down, we sag off the three-point shooter again, bang, three. All of a sudden, nine-point game, which is a, obviously a three-possession game, but like it's, you know, it's, it's rare that teams hit three three-pointers to get right back into it. All of a sudden, a nine-point game turns into a three-point game. Now, the ensuing two possessions, I think Gillespie hit a three, and then they hit a three again. So it went from nine to three in no time at all. We didn't get any time off the clock, and it was purely because we didn't step out. Yeah. Um, and I thought that kind of set the tone for the remainder of the game. And then, and then, and yeah, we, we couldn't, we, we just couldn't get like, they got confident. They started hitting shots and we got tight in what we do and kind of got, I, I don't want to say lazy. I mean, there was definitely some looks down the stretch where we got the ball into Dixon down low, but they started to really, um, they started to really sell out for turnovers and to deny um, to deny Dixon the ball down low. And, and we, we had no answer for that at all. Yeah. And um, I also, I also think like, don't get it wrong. Like, you know, sometimes Nova gets stagnant on offense, but that's just the other coaching. Like if you're a coach on the other team, what are you going to do? Especially when crunch time and the game is close, you're going to try not to let Colin get the ball and you're going to try not to let Justin get the ball. So, when those two are not getting the ball, somebody else has to has to step up. And who did that today against Georgetown? Jermaine. Did Jermaine. You, Jermaine. And and that's and that's what we need. And it's not necessarily always has to be Jermaine or it has to be Slater. You know, it 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 can, it can be anybody because we have these mismatches on the court that I feel like a lot of times we don't take advantage of. Like so, a lot of games, Maino has like seven foot dudes on him and, and everything. I know like you got to run the offense and stuff like that, but sometimes you got to, you got to be aggressive and, and try to make a play. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious, Ari, like what would you change about the team? Cause we were, we were actually talking about this on text during the Georgetown game as we were stagnating and we were saying exactly the same thing. Like, look, we've got Colin and Justin are the two constants, but there's not as much of a dynamic scoring presence around them right now. So it then does make it easier for coaches to kind of develop a matchup and a defense to say, look, key on these guys and we'll kind of take our chances with everybody else. So like, what, what do you, like, what would you do differently? What do you see in that you'd want to try and like, activate that you think could maybe take this team to the next level? Well, I like the emergence of Dixon, how he's been playing down low in the post, but you still got to understand he's still young and he's still learning and this is like a big jump for him. So, yeah. you know, some games he's going to be great. Some games he's not like, he didn't play great today, no. obviously. But uh, I mean, I don't want to say he didn't play great. He was doing good offensive rebounding and he did what he did what we need to win. But obviously, I mean, at this point, you know, when Colin and, uh, and Justin can't get it going, you know, we just gotta, I, I would just try to figure out ways to put people in positions to score, you know, like, what, what are they comfortable with? Um, like Daniel, um, Caleb, I, I know Caleb loves hitting that, uh, that corner three pointer. Yeah, he does. You yeah, know, he, he, he loves, he loves that corner three pointer. So you figure out ways where you can get him that shot, you know, penetrating on his side. Um, if anybody's going to help, then, you know, you can kick it to him. Um, you got Mano, which we saw today, he can drive the lane, get into the lane. And draw fouls. And if, if all if all Mano do is draw fouls for us and put the other team in a bonus, we are we shoot eighty something percent from the free throw line. That's a that's that's yeah. good for us. That's that's another way for us to score, you know. But we got to continue to figure out ways to to score. And I don't think that we run enough in the transition because those are ways to get mm. easy buckets. Yep. You know, a lot of a lot of times we get rebounds and we'll just hold it and wait for yeah. Colin to come. 
but I understand the uh, philosophy philosophy behind that. You got to think we don't turn the ball over that much. Teams that run a lot like that, they tend to turn the ball over. So you got to you got to pick and choose. It's a it's a balance, right? Because because yeah. Colin is because you know, Colin's mo is steady Freddie, right? Like the guy just doesn't he, he seems unflappable most of the time. He was turnover happy in the first half of this Georgetown game today. It was it was uncharacteristic, but by and large, his mo is slow and steady um and you know doesn't make a ton of mistakes might not blow you away with any athletic plays or anything like that but but kind of just keeps it all kind of in control he always seems to be in control of his emotions and in control of the game but i do agree that sometimes it would be nice to see the cats get out and transition be especially when the offense is stagnant yeah like i feel like it's like hand the ball to justin or hand the ball to jermaine and get going downhill towards the rack and if you yeah. get and if you give up an offensive foul every now and then because you get a charge, like so be it. I'd rather make pl- I'd rather make mistakes of aggression than coming down the stretch and the offense going stagnant and making like like a silly turnover because we're trying so hard to force the ball to Dixon so that he can pass out of the post or um, or see or get pickpocketed because we get because du- Justin gets doubled, um, you know, you know, five feet beyond the three point line. Uh, you know, it, just things like that, like breakdowns like that, or a shot clock violation, which is just killing me with this team uh, of late. Like so many shot clock violations. Like I'd rather just make an aggressive play quickly. And if we end up, and if we end up making a turnover or committing an offensive foul, like so be it. But I'd rather create as opposed to stand still. Yeah, I think Jermaine in particular is an interesting one because, like, we've talked about him on the past few podcasts, and obviously he's clearly passing up some a number of open shots at this point from the from three-point range but you saw like what happens today when he starts attacking the hoop he gets comfortable working inside he's a huge difference maker if we can get that activated more consistently that opens up a huge other part of the offense as well too so i'd love to see i'd love to see more attacking jermaine we called for it i think like at the beginning of the year the past two years i think that's where he's he's most different than the people he's matching up against he's a really physical guy especially if he's matching up against the four or definitely if he's matching up against the five, like he's going to be able to yeah. take those people off the bounce for sure. And it was a difference with Mano today. Like Mano, he attacks the glass, he attacks the rim, but today he attacked to score. Like he wasn't yeah. attacking to try to pass. He was going to the basket to score. And when you go with that mindset, then when you go and the team and like the help comes, then you could kick out and dish. But if you go into score, like, that's how you got to play. Like, that's what it looks like when you go to the basket to score. Like, Justin does it all the time. Like, he's going to score the basketball. Dude, Justin is and, playing otherworldly right now. He's absolutely on a tear. Obviously, Marquette was a little slow, but yeah. other than that, he's been on fire. Yeah, he's, he's been playing well. But when, when, the deep, when you're aggressive and the defense adjusts and whatever comes at you, you're able to, like, make a play that way. You know, that's one thing I learned with Coach Wright. He's like, just be aggressive. And then when the defense steps up or anything like that, you'll make the right play. Yeah. Yeah. I, to me, to the point on Jermaine passing up open looks, I feel like those are two, I feel like those are actually two sides of the same coin. He, he missed two open threes today, but he took them. What yeah, happens yeah. is, is they take them. It makes, it makes the defense respect the fact that you might pull up that opens that 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 one step. I mean, we're talking about Division One college basketball. One step is all you need to like get get an advantage, and so Jermaine can you know with with the defense respecting the fact that he might he might shoot the ball. All of a sudden, okay, now he takes a step. He's got a step ahead, and he can use his body to create room um, for himself as he attacks the rack. Yeah, and you know what else? I, we I don't see a lot. We need to like. I never see us get easy like baskets, like back cuts. Like we we never get those. Like we you you need to to get those in game. Little simple back cuts, especially like if Colin and Justin is getting denied. Like set up a play where they could get back cuts, Iverson cuts. You know, pass it to the yeah. wing. Big easy E comes up, back screens the guard down into the lane. Like, I don't think there's enough movement sometimes. It's just pass, 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 pass. Like, we need, like, movement to get to, the defense to move. To me, it looks like sometimes on offense, we play too much Villanova Villanova basketball, in, in air quotes. Like, 
I feel like guys are like, you know, it's, it's the old saying of like, oh, pass good, better, best, like get the best shot. I feel like sometimes guys pass out of the best shot sometimes. And I feel like, yeah. and I feel like to your point on the back cuts, like, look, sometimes we don't have guys who have the ability to get up above the rim, but we do actually have a couple guys who can in specifically Slater. I wonder if his injury, first off, I think his injury is being undersold a little bit uh, to Nova nation because like it does, there's no explanation for him being this tentative in how he plays on the offensive end. And I'm just wondering if, and he sat a lot today. Antoine got a lot of minutes today in, a, in what was a tight game. I, I wonder if some of that is, I wonder if some of that is Slater's injury is just not help. Like he's not able to, he's not as bouncy as he normally is. And as a result of that, some of those cuts that could be a good opportunity for like a guy like a Slater to make not happening. Yeah, I, I've talked with some people in uh, Nova's camp, and his ankle is, is not doing good right now. You can see in the beginning of the game. I don't know if you could, if you noticed, but he he kind of was hampering it a little bit. You, I could tell that he wasn't, like, running full speed, and he wasn't 100%. I think that's why he didn't play so much later yeah. on in the game. When, when, when they, when, on press availabilities and whatever, Jay said uh, Slater's not 100%, but, he, but, he, but he'll play. And I feel like that's, like – I, look, I get Jay's not Jay, Jay wants to keep things close to the vest, and obviously you want to keep things close to the program. But I, yeah, today was the first time I said to myself, I, "There's more to this Slater injury than 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 meets the eye here." He 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 almost needs some time. I, I'm wondering if he needs time to like get get healthy. And I want like it like I don't know. I I didn't play Division One basketball, so. I don't know. Sometimes you just need to take a couple of games off to get to get your ankle right, or do you, or do you, or do you play through it? I don't, obviously, it's a question that should be asked. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, but I don't know. I know it's hard right now because um, we're playing. They're playing more games like every other every few days. You know, there's a game, so it's kind of hard to to rest it. You know, yeah. I, guess, but, I guess I guess to that point, like, should we be and we talked about mentioned the bench and we've talked about the bench and the narrative of the bench throughout the season. It's funny, Ariel, when we had you on earlier this year, we were talking about different people off the bench. We're talking about Chris Archidiacono. You know, now we're talking about Brian Antoine's obviously back in the rotation. Jordan Longino's made um, some good strides as well, too. And he's playing, you know, eight, ten minutes a game, something like that. I guess to Chris's point, like you know, should we, what do you think? Like, do you think we should be seeing a little bit more from Antoine at this point? Like, Hey, let's reduce the burden a little bit further. Antoine only played third, I think it was 13 minutes or something like that today. So it wasn't yeah, 13 minutes. It wasn't all that much. Like in my mind, I'd love to see more of it and see what he can do. But what do you think? Um, so let me go back on my stance about the bench from earlier. Now I, I agree. Like we, I would love to see the bench more. You know, I, I think that was a, a negative in the Marquette game because nobody came off the bench. Guys probably was gassed and didn't have enough in the tank during the end of the game. You know, I, I think that if we would have played the bench a little bit more in the, uh, in the, in, in the Marquette game, that we, it was a possibility that we could have won that game. And I think with every game, you know, the only way you're going to get a rhythm, honestly, is like you got to play, you know. Yeah. Antoine's playing 13 minutes. I mean, I've played before. I know how it is. You know, sometimes you need you need to get in there. You need to sweat. You need to feel the game in order to, like, get a rhythm. It's hard to get a rhythm when you play three minutes and then out another three minutes, out two minutes here. So, you know, it, it, it's tough, and it's definitely a mental aspect that goes into it. But uh, I know Antoine seems like a good kid. So, you know, he's just got to figure that out, figure out how he, how he can be effective on the offensive end because the kid got game. I know, I know you've seen him in high school, like the kid, the kid can definitely play. So um, I just think that if he gets a little bit more time, you know, you'll be able to see more and like you get comfortable with time, you know, like you see with easy E this year, like he's getting a lot of time and you see how he's able to develop and, totally. and, and start playing good. So that that's just, that's with anybody, you know, when you get time, you get more comfortable and then you start to, show a little bit more of your game the, the one thing about Antoine that like makes me say I want to see more is that I, he, we don't have another guy on the team who's anything like him like mm -hmm. for all of the kind of complementary pieces that we have on, on, on the team this year like 
he is the one guy who is just like all of a sudden, like even in the Georgetown game today, there was a guy, kind of a broken play. He ended up scoring a layup on the play, but the ball looked like it was going to go out of bounds. And, and he grabbed it. Like, I don't even know, not sure how he grabbed it and then ran to the hoop and scored. And it all happened in like half a second. He's so yeah. fast. He is so fast and athletic and like, and like quick that like, like, look, I love Justin. I love Colin. I love all the guys on the team, but there's no one with that kind of blur type speed uh, on the squad. So like, even to the point of, to the point of wanting to see more Antoine, even to the point of like throwing something at, at the opposing team that they're, that, that they not comfortable with, that they don't, that they're not used to seeing, you know, versus like our entire team, which is slow tempo measured, hunt for the right shot, you know, take your time, get to the lane, et cetera. Some guy who could come in and just totally change the pace on you by himself. Uh, man, I feel like Antoine is a key to like being able to like maybe break up, uh, you know, break up some bad play in consecutive minutes. Yeah, he definitely is. And you can see that when he's in a game, like he's trying to play the right way. He's trying to do what coach asks him to do, try not to make any mistakes out there. And uh, you can you can definitely see that. Hopefully, he'll start. He'll get a little bit comfortable, and you know, start being more aggressive here and there when he has the opportunity to. But right now, you can see that he's just trying to. It, it seems like he's playing to like stay on the court. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. And that's what I, I like the point you made about the comparison to Eric. Right, like Eric was, you know, even if he was making mistakes, we we kind of had to play him out there just because of he was obviously like our primary big man just had a shortage of body. So Jay's forced to leave him on the court and you've seen how he's gotten way more comfortable as the season has gone on. And it's amazing. I was talking to my wife about this earlier during the game. I was like, it's amazing to compare how he was playing at the beginning of the season to how he's playing now. Yeah. He still misses shots. Yeah. He still makes turnovers, but you can just see the confidence and the comfort level that the number of reps that he's gotten have really contributed to. And it's just, yeah, he's in the flow of the game. He's playing a much bigger role for the team. And I have to imagine, again, I'm just guessing here that if you give Antoine some more regular minutes, ideally you'd start to see some more of that trajectory as well too. So I want to see it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. When, when you play, look, I could even say this having played like even like high school intramural level sports. Okay. Like when you're playing a game, to not mess up. Yeah. You are not playing. You're, you're like almost destined to mess up. Like, <laughs> like it's it, like, you're going to make a mistake when you're trying to like, it's like when you say, Oh, you play to not lose. I feel like we did that against Marquette to a certain degree, played to not lose that game. Like you're going to go out there and be aggressive and play to win. Like, I feel like sometimes some of the guys on the bench come in and they play to, you know, not make the one mistake that that's going to get them taken off the court, but in doing so, they're like overthinking their time on the court. Like I feel like you can't be thinking that much, like when when you're playing, not at the speed at which the game is played. Yeah, um, you just got you just got to go out there and play. Yeah. So, so and like have fun. Yeah, that's that's very true. The, <laughs> it's a little bit more fun. Now, let me ask you something. So, so you played on teams that had varying degrees of depth um but when when you were on campus uh in your senior year unfortunately there should have been more depth um but but curtis got hurt um and then you know jason frazier was not hurt that year but really just kind of had injuries throughout his career that really um hampered his ability so you guys really played like six seven guys maximum that year which made the made it easier but you guys were all top level <laughs> you, you put put out well what ended up being four pros from, from uh uh from that uh from that squad like is there is there something to like does do, i'm just asking you from experience does jay sometimes get like really comfortable and reliant on the guys who he like really really trusts his seniors his his guys and sometimes forget like in the heat of a in the heat of a game that to say, oh, you know what? I got to get this guy in. I got to get this guy some minutes. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, you just got to think about it. If, if you as a coach, like, you, you're going to go with the players you trust. You know, yeah, especially, of course. If, especially if the game is on the line. 
Like you, you, you just want to go out there with the best guys you think that's going to help you win the game. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that he forgets who's on the bench or anything like that. It's just like he feels like these are the best players or this is the rotation that I feel like is going to give us the best chance to win. Right. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think like he, he, he forgets anything like that. I feel like in a Marquette game, he really realized like it was a close game, and he seen how Marquette was playing, so he was just like, I just got to stick with my guys for yeah. this game. Yeah, the the I think the mistake in the Marquette game came in the first half, right? Like I feel like more time for Antoine and Longino in the first half and the early part of the second half might've paid more dividends down the stretch. Look, 10 minutes left in the game. You're up nine. You got your, you got, you got your starters in plus Caleb. I think Caleb's kind of like a six starter role. Um, But like, you know, that, 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 that's, that's the guys you're rolling with, right? Like you're not losing a game because Antoine makes a mistake with five minutes left in the game. That doesn't make any sense. I agree. But, you know, I, I feel like the, I feel like you have to set those guys up for success in that final, in that final push. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's just a complicated situation. You know, we all know how Coach Wright is. You know, he he's just going to stick with his guns. And, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's going to go with the upperclassmen, you know. So, I mean, I all I can tell – all I can say to the, to the players is just, you know, just keep working hard and just, like, don't let it affect you. You know, your, your time will come. Like, yeah. your time definitely will come. Yeah, yeah. But it ain't right now. No, <laughs> so, true. so true. What what's the ceiling for this team right now? You think we've seen a lot of ups and downs. I know a lot of concerns, and we all know the fan base, Nova Nation, it just kind of oscillates from one extreme to the other. Of hey, we're a Final Four team, or we're not even going to make the tournament. Where's your head at right now? Um, right now, I really, I do believe we are a tournament team for sure. Like there's there's no yeah. doubt in my mind about that. I just think right now we just a little inconsistent with like the effort, you know, sometimes like effort wise, like today we started the game out slow. Like you got to put a team like Georgetown away from the beginning, like Marquette game. Yeah. Marquette's a good team, but there's no way they should have been in the game with us. You know, like that's, that's what, that's what I mean about the effort, the consistency on that, on that part. You know, I think we have the tools to, even win games, big games, when we're not scoring. We, we've shown that we can do that. We, we did it against the Xavier game. Xavier's a good team, and Xavier has length, which is something that bothers us, but we were able to pull it out in that game. You know, we were really focused, locked in, and played like dogs, the uh, Xavier game. And that's the type of games, that's the type of attitude we have to have every single game if we want to go real far. If we just want to go to the tournament and, and win one game, or if we want to make it to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, because we have the tools to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Chris, what, what, are you, what are you picking right now? If you had to, you had to pick the end of the season. Where's it? Where's it end? Here's interesting. Here's the interesting thing. Like, look, I'm not going to sit here after the two games this week and say, "Oh, we're still five fourteen. But like, but like that being said, I just encourage fans who are freaking out about our tournament prospects like in terms of going to, to look around the college basketball landscape. Oh yeah. True. It's, it's just like, it's just like, keep in mind, we're all looking at it and judging Villanova versus like, versus yes. like our assessment of where we expect a great Villanova team to be on half, almost at the end of January. And I agree that there leave some things to be desired. And, and, and this is a senior led team. Senior led teams should not lose to Marquette at home, like, like they should not let Georgetown be up at halftime. Like it just like, it just shouldn't be. But at the same time, compare yourself around the league and like, look at even like the big 12, right? The big 12 is a gauntlet. And like, you would excuse teams for losing ranked games. Baylor who like loses to Oklahoma state at home, right? Like Baylor's got a lot of guys who won a national championship last year. These are seasoned guys, right? So, so my point is, is that, there is no team in college basketball that I've seen that's like infallible that can't that can't be beaten. There's no Gonzagas and Baylors of, of yeah. last year. But my point is is that this team can make a Final Four, 
because based on their draw, based on who they get, et cetera, can absolutely run it out and get to Louisiana. Like, so I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that's the most likely result. I think the most likely result is like a sweet 16 elite eight appearance. I think that's, I still think that this team will win games against opponents like round of 64 round of 32. I still think they'll win that game. And then it's a draw game from, it's always going to be a draw game crapshoot from the sweet 16 on, but this team is going to be good enough to win the first two games. And then, and then it's going to come down to matchups um, and, and, and to Alan's point before effort and not making boneheaded mistakes, like not stepping out on a good shooter. When you get up, when you get a lead, like with 10 minutes left in the game, that's the time to lock it down that time from the 12 under 12 timeout to the under four timeout in a game when you're up is time to close the book is time to close the game out. And I feel like that's, I don't want to see that continue to happen, but I, I, you know, that's where the issue is going to be. And I feel like we're going to be watching a tournament game in the sweet 16 with this team and this is going to happen. (laughs) That's my fear. So Yeah. yeah, I think this team could get to new Orleans, but I also think that this team, you know, I think sweet 16 elite eight is kind of where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, I think if I'm picking, it's probably Sweet 16 for me. Um, I think the consistency is the biggest thing that A-Rary is referring to. We just don't quite have it. Though I think you do bring up an interesting point to think about this relative to the rest of the country, relative to what our Villanova expectations have grown to over years. I would say, especially since we came into the new Big East, which at this point is you know, like eight years ago or whatever at this point, we've gotten used to running through the conference with one or two losses. And now it's getting back to this point where, hey, the rest of the Big East is very good and very competitive as well, too. So kind of saying, yeah, it's, it's okay. We're going to have some losses mixed in there. Obviously, we were used to that. Certainly in the old Big East, it was such a gauntlet that, yeah, you go, you lose a bunch of games. It wasn't the end of the world. It was just part of the season and part of how you built that team up. So I think it's, it's definitely fair to think about those relative expectations. That said, I think the consistency and the lack to me right now of who kind of that clear third and potentially fourth offensive option is that we can consistently rely on to say, Hey, somebody's going to pick up that mantle. Those are the, the couple things that are holding, holding me back to, to get a little bit more excited right now. Yeah. And like you said, um, the big East is definitely getting better, you know, and like, you gotta understand these are your neighbors. Like they know exactly what you're going to do. You've been playing against them for years. They know what you're going to run. They know your system. They know the players. So it's going to be tougher than playing against somebody in the tournament. Like conference play is tougher than the NCAA tournament. Like, like you said, you can get a draw in the tournament and kill that team, but sit here and wonder how the hell you lose to Creighton. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's funny like that. Um, the, the one thing too, though, is that, that I'm going to put a massive asterisk on this month in general, even though we've looked good this month for most of it, except until the last two games is that if Jermaine does what he did today and continues to play with that fire in his eye, this is a different team. Also, if Slater gets his ankle healthy and plays more like he did in the first five to eight games of the season different team right like so if those two things can happen at the same time and it kind of comes together in late february watch out like i'm going to take us pretty far in the bracket you know what i mean like like those two things open up a lot for justin and colin um from from, you know from from deep so like that is that is the biggest like caveat to say to 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 all of this so like it's interesting because i'm saying to myself in a weirdest way Watching Slater being really hobbled today and like not get those minutes in the second half and realizing that, whoa, 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 there's a lot more to this injury than than meets the eye. Actually, in this weird way, like raised my optimism level for the team because I'm saying, wait a second, now there's now there's an actual reason. And it's not that Slater is like just not as good as we hoped he would be like he's hurt. Right. So so if if he can get healthy 
then then a different story plays out. And then obviously the wild card, which shouldn't be a wild card. Jermaine as a super senior should not be a wild card anymore. But if Jermaine can get that aggressiveness that we've seen him gain that we talked about on the podcast last week, Jermaine seems to come into his own in late January and start playing more aggressively. Well, if he does that and takes us into the and takes that you know down to the next last two months of the year, again, it's a different team. Yeah, yes, de- definitely, definitely. But but as we talked about on the last podcast, definitely a big if to be waiting on. And obviously, Jermaine's had this historical hey, kind of late January, February uptick. I hope it comes through again. I hate having to wait on hey if he if he steps his game up, but we'll see. I guess. So weird. So I, not weird thing. I want to do talk about, we talked about NCAA tournament hopes, like in terms of how far we'll go. I do want to kind of, we said last week, we did a big segment on kind of like where we fit into the NCAA picture. I do want to talk about that in light of this week's games. So the Marquette game, while it is a loss that we should never have taken, it was a bad loss from the perspective of you're at home on Josh Hart's uh, retirement night. Like, with super seniors, you got to win that game versus a young team with a new coach. That being said, Marquette is a tournament team. And after winning that game, Marquette became number 34 in the net. So they are almost a quad one home game. So it's right now sitting as a quad two loss, but still not killer. And, and, and Marquette's going to make the NCAA tournament. So like losing to an NCAA tournament team, not the end of the world from a resume standpoint. That being said, a lot of the contact conversation that we had, Rob, last week on the podcast was around like, could Villanova somehow get into the one seed line and one seed conversation still? A couple good things did play out this week. Um, Baylor, uh, not Baylor, um, Duke lost to Florida State and Purdue lost um, to Indiana. So, So, you know, Teams around the country are going to continue to lose, which will provide opportunities for Villanova. Again, I don't think it's a likely scenario that Villanova plays its way onto the one line. In order to do that, my view is that Villanova basically has to only lose one more game in the regular season. Like basically, and it has to come like at UConn or at Providence. (laughs) So, so like that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a very thin line to walk uh, for the rest of the season. Like, I don't think we're going to get through the rest of the regular season with almost with with only one more loss based on how we looked today, how we looked a week ago though, if we can bring that back, like all of a sudden I feel differently. That being said, look, that's kind of like the tournament picture. We are currently technically number two in the big east but we've played a lot more games than providence so providence has to kind of go out and do that this this conference is going to come down to yukon providence and villanova um to see who gets like the the one seed if you will in the big east tournament um and we still have four matchups versus those two teams so i think i think the conference is going to be decided by those four games yeah yeah i can't wait for those games yeah they're going to be good. I will say, I have to I have to readily admit, so I was making an argument last week about our one-seed prospects, and I stated, you know, how many times in the last 10 years has a one-seed gotten in without a top-10 team, a top-10 win? And we did some quick research after the fact. Uh, your, your own Villanova Wildcats met <laughs> that criteria like five years ago, um, easily refuted. As I thought it over, I haven't checked this one either, as I thought it over, I think what I was really getting at was has a one seed, has we had any one seeds in the last 10 years who haven't had a top 10 win and have had as many losses as we have had and we're talking about, which would be like six or seven losses. Obviously, there have been teams, you know, like a Gonzaga that just runs through the tournament, or actually like our Villanova team in 15, where I think we had two losses the whole year, um, but didn't have that top 10 win. And it was just like, numerical like hey you've got to give Nova the one seed so anyway challenge to our listeners out there do a little bit of research it'll probably only take you 15 minutes but (laughs) but I gotta I gotta keep myself honest there I made a big statement I was definitely wrong on it so there you go what are you you gonna do what are you gonna do Alan do you guys when you when you guys are going through the kind of the the ins and outs of the season do you guys talk about like oh where do we stand in the Big East standings where do we stand in our NCAA bracket, like bracketology, et cetera? Or are you guys just thinking like next game, next game, next game? I know 
probably the coaching staff wants you to think next game, next game, next game. But like, do you ever take, do, do, do the guys take a step back and look at kind of like where the team stands relative to everybody else? Well, um, I'm not sure about everybody else, but from my experience, I can tell you, um, yes, it sounds very cliche, but you know, I never really thought about like the future games or like our, our seeding and stuff or where we're going to be. But it was nice when you turn on ESPN and you see that number four in the country or number three in the country, you know, it, it, it was nice, but there, there was times I remember we would lose and we would drop down and really shouldn't care about it, but it would, it would motivate us like, oh, okay, they think, oh, they, they think we suck now. You know, they gave us a low ranking. So yeah, we're going we gonna to get it back up. But other than that, that was, that was the extent of it. You know, we never like played and was like, oh, let's, let's try to be top five or let's, let's try to get the number one. You know, we never, we never looked at it like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I was just curious. I was just curious. Cause I, 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 like, I am a big like standings watcher. I look at all the metrics. I'm like a big bracketology guy. I love like following a ton of different bracketologies and just saying like, Oh, where, where, where do we all fit into the national picture? But it's interesting. It's like you, you guys are obviously most focused on next game, next practice, next, uh, next weightlifting session, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I couldn't play the game playing like, all right, I'm playing because I want to, I want to be higher in the ranking. No, I'm playing because right. I want to score 25 on you. <laughs> <laughs> I it might have been easier to there. just describe yourself as a nerd instead of going through that three sentence description. <laughs> yes. I am a nerd. That's fair. That's fair. There's a reason why I do a podcast and then play basketball. So that's, that's <laughs> um no, but seriously, I, I was trying to get 20 every game. Like, I'm, I'm, I need 20 every game. I love it. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Hey, and guess what? You, you, you were successful a lot of the time. <laughs> I tried to be. Yeah. Should we, should we talk about the week coming up? Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So we got this weekend. Uh, I'm sorry. This week we have DePaul on Tuesday night. I believe it's kind of an early tip. Um, very exciting game. Get the fan base pumped up for Tapola. <laughs> it's a five o'clock game on Tuesday. That's oh, horrible. That's terrible. They knew they knew terrible. nobody wanted to watch it, so they're just like, yeah. oh, let's put it at five. It's so, fine. so DePaul comes to uh, Finneran Pavilion, uh, five o'clock on on Tuesday. Uh, so, look, I, this this game at Chicago um, was, was a tough game. We had to fight with them, uh, throughout that game to kind of hold, get and hold that lead, um, and, and win that game. And other teams around the country have, uh, other teams around the conference have not had as much success. Seton Hall went in and got blitzed by DePaul out the gate. This, again, we've talked about this last time. This is not your, uh, slightly older uncle's, um, DePaul team. This is a, this is a competent, getting better DePaul team. That being said, at home, coming off of the week that we just had, I expect us to come out and put down the clamps on on uh, Liber- Freeman Liberty, Liberty Freeman, redundant name, redundant great name. name. Great name. Great name. Um, I, I expect us to go out and put the clamps on him now that we've seen him once. I agree. Yeah. Um, and, and I expect us to get this done at home uh, fairly comfortably. Um, in the comfortable shooting confines of the pavilion. So, uh, you know, Ari, what do you, what, what do you think? Do you, do you think second time around, we're going to, we're going to beat them by more? Um, I would hope so, you know, but for me, I need them in practice to really like take the initiative before the game and get in that mindset. Like, you know, we, we got to come out here and, and blitz the Paul, you know, that, that's the only way I feel like they're going to get better and get over this hump. You know, it can't be, another Georgetown game where they come out and get confidence can be another Marquette game where they come out and get confidence. Like it's got to be from the start. And um, Freeman, he's a real good scorer. You know, it, it may not, it, it may not be that easy to stop him, but can make sure his shots are contested and make sure that he's earning every point that he gets. And, you know, you can't be mad at that. Like you, you can't be mad. You can't be mad at that, but I, I expect them to come out 
and play hard and and put them away, which like I did today for Georgetown, but they didn't do that in the first half. Yeah, I, I think I think coming back the second time around, I feel like first time DePaul is a little bit of a surprise. Freeman Liberty, obviously an awesome player, had an insane first half in that first game. Just I think he had 22 or something like that in the first half. Just absolutely went off. I think since the surprise is gone, and frankly, a little bit of the shine has come off DePaul at this point. I think they're, what, one in, I don't know, they've got one win in conference, something like that. I'm not not as concerned about this. I, I think the team will get it done, no problem. That's how Quincy Doobie used to do it. He used to oh score like, like 20 something every every half, like the first half, every game, he would score like 20 something. I, re- I remember in the Big East tournament, the game before the eye poke game, um, you guys played Rutgers, and Doobie was like, on he might have had 30. He might have had 30 yeah. in the first half on us. He he put he put me on him. He he was scoring. He put Randy on, on him. He was scoring on Randy. He put Kyle on him. He was scoring on Kyle. He put um Dante on him. He was scoring on Dante. We were in a locker room at halftime. He's like, Well, I guess nobody wants to guard Quincy Doobie. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, <laughs> you guys see it? Yeah, I guess you just want to lose first round the Big East tournament. Go ahead. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I, I really wonder what his halftime um, speeches are like. Like, and, and I wonder how it was then versus now. Like, because he comes across as like he softened up quite a bit. Um, yeah, he, he definitely has. He definitely has. Wait, yeah. I, I, I could just see it. Yeah, I was gonna say, real question: is is the halftime approach for Jay? Is it fiery typically, or is it more like methodical, analytical? Um, for us, I don't know how how it is now, but yeah. for us, it it just like dependent dependent. It was dependent on how the game was going. If we if we play like we did today against Georgetown at halftime, he'd have been chewing us out. <laughs> like he'd have been chewing us out for sure. But then after it, he would have had like some motivational speech or whatever that would get us going and like have us ready to go play. And then like if we were already playing good, you know, he came in, he had his suit on, he was nice and subtle and good job, guys. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Let's go get this game. So it just it just depends. I love it. I love it. I love it. The one thing that Jay doesn't do anymore that I that he used to do, there used to be a couple games a year. Not necessarily a year, but a couple of games like sprinkled throughout where I remember Jay just didn't feel like he was getting the right calls from the officials. And he also didn't feel like he was getting the effort that the guy that he wanted. And I felt like Jay went out of his way to get teed up. Like, like he would just be like, I'm getting fucking teed up today. Like, I, I, I got, this is going to fire the guys up when they see me get a technical. And I just got to go out. I remember a game in like 2010, we were playing Louisville. Um, and it was just not going the way it should have gone. And Jay went berserk got teed up and we came back at, after getting teed up. We obviously went down two more points and then we like went on like a 15 to two run. It was over. Uh, but he always, he used to do stuff like that. I, I swear. Yeah. He, he used to, he used to get intense sometimes, with, especially with the refs. And he used to be, he used to get texts and he used to be going at the refs. And I, I used to, I remember the guy, I remember. And Randy used to always have to, Randy was like the only one who could really like calm down. So Randy would go over there and be like, yo, coach, like, relax. Like, you know, like, calm down. Calm down, coach, and coach would settle down. But, yeah, he definitely used to do that. If we wasn't getting foul calls or the refs was playing, um, making bad calls, forget about it. Yeah. Amazing. Forget Amazing. about it. Um, right. Should we talk St. John's? Yeah, St. John's. More exciting one this week. St. Yeah. John's is the game I wanted to talk a little bit more about. Um, we're playing them 430 on saturday at the wells fargo center again on fox um so so a big obviously a huge matchup there um st john's is having a little bit of a disappointing season so far this year Uh, i think they came into this season even though they had a lot of transfers in they returned um julian champagne who's still been having like a first team all big east type year um, Posh Alexander, who was obviously a great freshman last year, um, and had a lot of other pieces um, with Mike Anderson at the helm. And I think they thought, like, this is a year that we're going to get into the NCAA tournament conversation and, and really and really do that after surprising a lot of people last season. 
it's not played out that way, unfortunately, uh, for St. John's. They're at two and four in conference. They just lost to Seton Hall, um, uh, and they had a bad game uh, earlier this week uh, where they looked anemic against Creighton um, in Omaha. So uh, St. John's has kind of come out the gate here uh, in Big E's play and candidly in the out-of-conference schedule and really hasn't picked up a good win. If they are going to get themselves onto the bubble, they have to start winning and winning a lot down the stretch. Uh, with that said, that's kind of the context coming in. They're obviously going to come in um, with you know fire under them, seeing the ranking next to Villanova's name and being like, this is how we get our season right. We beat Villanova, and then we kind of come out and, and win a lot of games down the stretch. But it starts with the Villanova game. That's, that's what they're going to be saying in their, in, in their locker room. Um, we already talked on a couple of the guys, but Julian Champagne, as I mentioned, playing 34. Oh, oh wait, hold on. Sorry. Wait, Before we wait. jump into this real quick, they are in very much danger of going on a four-game losing streak because they have a weird quirk in their schedule. So they just lost, like you said, to Creighton. They lost to Seton Hall today. They play Seton Hall again on Monday. So they yeah. have Seton Hall back-to-back. And yes. then follow that up with us on Saturday. So this very could very quickly could turn into a four-game losing streak for them. So a lot yeah. on the line this week. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, they are. It's 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 going to be a tough road. Um, yeah. They have to they have to win some games. And today's game was at MSG, so then they they lose the home game benefit after losing today. They now have to go to Newark uh, to play that game on Monday. That's part of all the COVID makeup. Uh, games that they got going on right now. But sorry, Julian Champagne, as I said, having a Big East uh, all all first team type season so far this year, uh, 21 points, 34 minutes, shooting 39% uh, from beyond the arc. He's having a great year. That's going to, like, stopping him, that's their guy, right? Like, we got to find a way to make sure that we stop him. I I think Samuels is going to get the the, the, the draw to cover him. Obviously we're going to play a lot of switching, but, um, but I think, I think Samuels is going to be the first guy to step up and, and guard him with Slater right there too. Alan, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm interested in that game because I want to see how Nova responds to their tempo. St. John's gets the ball up the court quick as hell. Like I, I seen a clip. I can't remember who they was playing. Offensive rebound, kick out, bounce pass dunk like no dribble at all so it's going to be interesting to see um nova's transition defense transition defense is going to be key in this game this is also going to be a game of runs um yeah because the way st john's whole thing is set up is they score a bucket and they press you so like they try and speed the whole game up they press relentlessly we saw it last year we got we lost the game last year as a result of it um, and then the second game went the other way in, a, in extreme fashion. Um, but yeah, they're going to press us. So if they start scoring buckets, so our defense is, is going to be our best offense too. Uh, because if we're able to get, if they, if they, you know, if they're bricking, if they're not, you know, not getting clean looks at the basket, then they, they can't set up their, they can't set up their press. Then we get off and kind of can do our thing on the offensive end. Which makes which makes the game a lot more comfortable for us. If they start hitting shots, then then all of a sudden offense gets harder for us too. So I could see this game being like, oh, we're up, you know, we're up six, and all of a sudden we're down four, and then you know, then it then it goes back the other way. Like St. John's is very um, susceptible to to having putting runs up, and then also getting runs on them. Yeah, they just play they just play free. You could tell they're just out there just playing like they did they play free it's not really so much structure if you was to go to an nyc playground in the 90s and watch a on pickup game that's how st john's played that's what it would look like yeah yeah that's exactly how it would look like good comparison the the guys that we got to step out on are champagne as i said a dai wusu shoots like 43 percent from beyond the arc and Aaron Wheeler shoots like 43% from beyond the arc. So like, like they don't have many, many better, uh, many good three point shooters, but those three are good. Like we got to step out on these guys. We can't let them get hot from, from, from beyond the arc and, and, and shoot themselves into this game. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's what Elliot did Marquette. He got yeah, hot. Totally. 
And um, Elliot, shot, he shoot, he shot like fifty something percent from three, yeah. like on the season. So I definitely wouldn't have been giving him no damn shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let's wrap this up. We got one more thing to talk about. We didn't give out awards. Oh, wow! Good yeah. call. Good call. So, Ara, you could join us. So, we give out three awards every week. We give out the Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week uh, for the for the best individual play. Um, we give out the alpha dog of the week and then we also give out the past the fucking ball award of the week for the guy who just didn't ha- necessarily have a, have a have a great week of villanova basketball um my my pick for the shack fit man play of the week was the double block yes, earlier has in, to be has to be early in the early in the first half versus georgetown and what it was otherwise not a great first half that double block i called i said uh, i said on twitter i was like caleb and eric were the swat team on that block i love it yeah. It was really exciting. Yeah. That was great energy there. They definitely was playing volleyball. Yeah. That was awesome. A- any other play, Alan? Was do you think that was the best play of the week? Yeah, that's that's a good one right there. That's yeah. definitely a good one right there. And another one come to mind. Uh I can't remember um Easy E got an and one and uh he kind of he kind of flexed after he got the and one. And that's the that's when I was like, Oh yeah, he's comfortable. Like, he's comfortable. <laughs> He's talking he shit. End. He's comfortable. <laughs> yeah. But I, I want to see more of that from everybody on the team. Like, I want to see that, like, flex on somebody, you know, talk shit to somebody one time. Yeah. 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 Sometimes a little intensity would help a little bit. Yeah. Um, Alpha Dog of the Week. This could go a couple different it's ways. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. This could go a couple different ways. Who is the best player this week? I, to me, I felt like in today's game, Samuels was the reason that we won the like look Gillespie put up 28 yeah right for sure but a lot of that to me came because Samuels got aggressive turned that game on its head his aggression turned the game and then and then Colin got open looks and Colin was burying him so for me I'm going with Samuels um even though I don't think his game against but no one played particularly well against Marquette so I, I I'm just picking against I'm just picking off of today's game yeah, it's for it's tough for me because yeah, the Marquette game, there's there's not a whole lot you can point to to be like, all right, this should impact my vote for the whole week. So I'm kind of with you. Uh, you know, it, it's tough. I, I I like the Samuels pick, but look, I'll I'll just be a little boring. I'll give it to a guy who scored 28 and was six for nine from three and had a couple of those. Hey, the ball came out after a loose ball, and let's clean this up and just bury it. So I guess I'll give mine to Colin. Yeah, I I probably would go that in that direction as well. You know, Colin's been pretty consistent this week. You know, with uh what he's doing. Um, Justin Justin didn't play bad this week either. If uh if Easy E had a good game today, I would have easily gave it to him because he played well against Marquette. True, but uh, I, I'll probably go with Colin. I'll lean I'll lean to that one. Have you? It seems like you've settled on Easy E as your uh as yeah. as the nickname. I love that name. <laughs> I love that name. We we was not going with big dicks. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> that was yes. not happening. <laughs> what about Eric Fixon? What about Eric Fixon? <laughs> <laughs> that that name is hilarious. Like, hilarious. One of the announcers said that today. They was like Eric Dixon. Thick. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> so true. It's so I'm true. sorry. When he said that today, I could only see thick with two C's. I could only see it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh man. No, that that name was hilarious. So good. So All good. right. So finally, the, the the pass the fucking ball award of the week. Uh, I'm 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 staying out this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. fair. Um, I mean, I mean, do do we go with do we go with uh, Slater, even though he's injured? I feel feel like it's not fair. I feel like it's not fair. It's not fair. I'm struggling on this one. I can go one of two ways on this one. For me, it's either going. I'm either going Slater, but I will say, here here's the reason I know I wouldn't say definitively. There's nothing I can point to that's like. Hey, he did something like egregiously oh, wrong. He's yeah. just been, he's just been less impactful than we'd like. So what I'm going to do, I think this is a little bit of a cop-out, but I think we've accepted it as an okay cop-out. 
I'm actually giving it to Jay. Yeah. Because of the bench decision or lack thereof. Oh, oh Alan's pissed. Alan's pissed. Um, because, because of the lack of bench usage in the Marquette game. So Jay gets my vote. I'll go ahead, Alan. Blame it on the, blame it on the coach. That's, that's, that's okay with me. <laughs> Spoken like a former player. <laughs> um, no, I, you know what? I, the, when I think about it, I, 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 the, the Slater injury thing today really changed my mind on this. I'm going with Jay too, but it's not because of the bench. I just don't think we were well prepared versus Marquette. Like what, what, like what they do is like what they did to us is what they do. Like it wasn't like, and it was at the they pavilion. Are, they like are was, who we thought they were. Yeah. It's exactly who, what, what they like. That's what they do. Like they weren't, they didn't play as up tempo as they typically do, but like, but they, they get out on you. They press, they, they do, even Georgetown today. We didn't, we didn't handle their press. Well, like to me, that goes back to, um, that goes back to what's happening in practice. Like, so, so I, I, I think I'm going to go that way too. I'm going with that, going that way too. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to give it to the whole, I'm going to give it to the whole team. Yeah, there you go. I, I'm going to give it to the whole team, the whole program. Cause that Marquette game was disappointing. I love them guys for sure. Everybody, I think we all can agree that that game was disappointing. Yeah, I'm sure that they weren't too many smiles after that game amongst the team in the program. So, no. <laughs> so all right, we got some opportunities to get right this week. Got to have a two and zero week. Um, I think we will. Um, so, so let's wrap it up there. Alan, thanks for coming back on the podcast. We'd love to have you on again. Kind of keep checking back in with you um, as the season kind of continues to progress. It's crazy. There's only seven weeks until Selection Sunday, so we're coming down the pike. Definitely, definitely. You know, I enjoy being on here. Let's do it again. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. Let's go Nova.